So a couple weeks ago, we, we canceled our gathering, right? It had snowed like barely anything, but there was snow on the ground in Eureka. We were freaking out, didn't know what to do. And so we decided to cancel just to make sure that people weren't out driving and, and there was risk of accidents and traveling. And I know some people live in further out places, so it was, had more of an impact there. But, but I had to come down here. I, I tried to text everybody I knew, put stuff on the website and the Facebook page and everything. But sometimes people don't check that, and that's fine. But, uh, so I came down here to put a sign up, a note on the door and outside. So people, if they came here... Oh, why is no one here? Oh, it's canceled because it snowed and now it's all sunny. But, uh, <laughs> but I was I was down here putting up the sign and it was really cold, so I was bundled up. and And this guy from the neighborhood, he he walks up and uh, he wanted to ask me all these questions about our church. And I was like, well, let's go inside because it's freezing out here. And we came in here and he's looking around and checking out everything and. He 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 was just asking me all kinds of questions about about our church, like uh, you know what what do you think about spiritual gifts, like speaking in tongues? No no easy questions. I mean, he just launches right into like difficult, uh, controversial theological issues right away. What do you think about speaking in tongues? And um, you know what do you think about the end times, like when Jesus is coming back? And he's just firing them off like I. I, I was not anticipating this line of questioning at all, and and I was thinking about that after we we talked, and I don't I don't think he was too impressed with my answers, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I said, hey, come come back again some Sunday when we're actually here, and you'll get a feel for what our church is really all about, and you know we'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, but I was I was thinking about those questions that he was asking, and and I was thinking that over the years since we started this church in 2010, uh, I think I've been asked a lot of questions like like those kinds of things. What does your church think about this? And what does your church think about that? And, and, and another variation of those questions is, is one that goes like this. Why did you start a church? Why did you guys start a church? I mean, how does that even work? You just you just start it like you just you just go you decide that you're doing it and and i think that's a good question i mean if you if you live around eureka you live in fortuna wherever you you know there's there's churches all over it's not like we don't have any churches there there are plenty of churches in eureka in humble county do we really need another another church and in all of those questions Questions about our church, uh, you know, why why did we start a church? Basically, all of those questions have a root uh, underneath all of them, which is which is the question: Why does town church exist? What what drives us as a church? What's the what's the passion that burns in us? Why do we exist? Why are we here and what keeps us going as as a church and and I think those are those are really good questions because they they're getting at the heart of things uh, not just the the outer expression but what's what's happening at the heart of who we are as a church those are those are questions that that really matter 
And I'll, I'll say this, that, that uh, we didn't start Town Church to get a building, even though that happened along the way. Still, I still don't believe it, right? It's been, it's been I think, about three years since this building was given to us. Like, that's unbelievable. Uh, but we didn't start the church, like, with a timeline to say by year five or by year 10 or year 20, whatever, we'll have our own building. That really wasn't a driving, motivating thing. Like, we want to get into real estate in Eureka. That's, that wasn't, our, that wasn't our, our goal or our mission to get a... A building, and, and we didn't start town church to to employ people, right? I wasn't. I didn't start town church to create a job for myself or for other people. And uh, and pretty much anyone who's done anything for town church has to have another job uh, because uh, because town church doesn't pay that much money. Just so you guys know, uh, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. We didn't start town church to give people like volunteers something to do. Like all these, there's all these bored people around, and they're just probably looking for something meaningful to do. So let's start uh, a church. That's that's not that wasn't a driving factor. We didn't even start town church to have a Sunday morning gathering. It really wasn't the 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 motivation to start meeting on Sundays. We started meeting on Wednesdays uh, in the evenings on Wednesdays. Super inconvenient, just so you know, if you're ever going to plan a church. Uh, maybe not Wednesday nights. But, but why did we then? Like, why did we start our church? What was the driving factor? What, what, what would cause us to, to go out and start something new? Why do we exist? Why are we here Here's the, here's the answer. Get ready. <laughs> we started Town Church to make disciples of Jesus. That's, that's, that's it. That's what I told the guy when he was here. We started Town Church to make disciples of Jesus, and, and that's what we want to continue doing. We're here to make disciples of Jesus. And I will tell you, there's, there's really nothing new about that. <laughs> There's nothing novel. There's nothing like, oh, I've never heard anyone talk about it like that before. It's like, it's, it's, it's what the church has been doing since Jesus told us to do it. Go make disciples. That's, that's what Jesus has called us to do. And, and so that's why we plant churches, to make, make disciples. That's why churches are all, you know, every church that's around town here at some point said we need to start so we can make disciples of, of Jesus. And we might talk about it a little bit differently, the methods that we use, the approaches that we take. But, but the, the, the basic foundation is we're, we exist to make disciples and and we've been spending the last few weeks going through this series on on following following Jesus which is to basically ask the question what does a disciple or what does a follower of Jesus look like what's their life look like and and we've said a disciple is somebody who delights in Jesus who enjoys Jesus who loves him and a disciple is somebody who disciplines themselves 
for Jesus to, to protect and to grow and cultivate that delight in Jesus through the disciplines of, of reading the scriptures and gathering together with the church community and, and praying in all these different ways that we shape and form our lives through discipline. And a, a disciple is somebody who, who declares Jesus with their words and they display Jesus with their lives. We've got these four words, delight, discipline, declare, display. Four words that start with D, hopefully to help you remember them. Just, just in your mind, there are these, these four words of here's what a healthy, growing disciple of Jesus looks like. And if you want to come up with, you want to go on thesaurus.com and come up with your own, go for it. That's totally fine. The, the point is not the, the English word. It's the idea of, of this is what a disciple, healthy, growing, flourishing disciple of Jesus looks like. And I just, I had planned it all out, mapped out this series and and I just kept thinking of one more D word. <laughs> so, like, this is like the uh, this is the bonus uh, bonus week here, and it's the most obvious. It's it's the word disciple. It's the word that that sums up everything we've been talking about. I probably should have done this at the beginning because it really is the most foundational. But but disciple is the word that sums up everything we've been talking about. We've said it's why we exist, the idea of what a disciple is. We exist. We are here. We started Town Church to make disciples of Jesus. And, and a little more specifically, uh, and if you've been on our website, uh, Dave, I think there's a graphic for this. We exist to make disciples of Jesus, but we have a more elaborate definition, which is to say we exist to make disciples who delight in, declare, and display the good news of Jesus here in Eureka, Humboldt County, and beyond. And so I, we didn't really come up with the, the D words just for the sermon. It really is this driving thing that, that I go back to all the time when I'm thinking about what we're doing as a church and when Lane was working together with me as a leader. Uh, whenever we're meeting, praying, whatever, this is the whole thing. We exist to, to make disciples who love Jesus, who find their joy in Jesus, and who declare and display him through their words, through their lives. And, and I think it's appropriate to say, well, where does that come from? Like, why, why do we say it like that? Why, what's important about that? And it's, it, again, it's so basic, but I think it needs to be said. I think it's helpful for us to remember. This is why we're here. This is what we're supposed to be doing because this all comes from Jesus. It's not a strategy. I didn't learn this in, in seminary. Jesus told us what to do. He said, your job is to make disciples. So, so we're just going to break this down into the most basic language, the most basic ideas. Um, and, and these are the words, or we could call them values, uh, that, that really want to drive us. We have this mission, and these are the values that, that pour into that mission of, of the gospel of Jesus the community of Jesus, and the mission of Jesus. So, so Jesus gave us this job, make disciples. And we would say, we want to make disciples who, uh, they're disciples 
of the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. They're part of the community of Jesus, and they're on the mission of Jesus. So I want to read this passage from Matthew chapter 28. You probably know this passage. It's known as the Great Commission or the Great Sending. It's the big capital letter. This is what we're here for. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we are in great need this morning of, of being reminded of who we are and, and because of who we are, how we're to live. And I know, that, I know the temptation of wanting to find something new, something exciting, something that we didn't know before to explore. Um, but today, we don't need something new. We need to really be convicted of what's always been there for us, that, that if we are following you, that we really only have one thing to, to care about, and that's to make disciples of Jesus. And, and that's true for us individually, and it's true for us as a church. And I pray that, that as we come to your word and as we spend this time together talking about why we are here, that you would refresh us and, and maybe reveal parts of our lives where we, we thought we knew this or we thought we understood it, and, and we thought we were maybe even doing it uh, all the time, but it's just needs to be refreshed in our hearts and our minds and our lives. So would you help us today? Would you, would you capture us, Jesus? Just the, the beautiful privilege of being called into life with you, that that would be our joy and, and everything for us. So please help us as we, as we spend this time together uh, that, that we'd remember that you have all the authority, Jesus and that we belong to you. We pray it now in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we could say that we exist to make disciples of the gospel of Jesus. We, that's, that's why we're here. So why is, why is the gospel first and foremost here? And I I think, I'm probably going to say this a lot. The answer is kind of obvious, but it needs to said it needs to be, we need to be reminded of it. The gospel is the good news of who Jesus is. He is the son of God. And this is what he came to do. He came to save us. He came to rescue us. And he did that through living a perfect life. He died on the cross for us. And he was raised from death in victory. And now he sits at the right hand of God. That's, that's the good news. That's, that's what's really happened. And, and so the gospel is just this announcement. That is true. That is real. And, and that's what we need to be all about. The gospel is first and foremost, or, or the apostle Paul, he calls it, he says it's of first importance. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, now I would remind you, 
brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And you read that, you hear what Paul is saying, and, and if you know the, the letter that he wrote, the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church, it deals with the craziest stuff, like the Corinthians are church gone wild, okay, they have, they're doing weird stuff, but, but Paul says after addressing all of those things, he says, here's what's most important. Here's the most important thing, the primary thing that you need to know, that, that this is who Jesus is and this is what he came to do. And he announces it, he describes it for what it is. It's a historical event. This is, this is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and the whole reason that we're a church, the whole reason that he's writing this letter is because of the gospel, not because of some great strategy or some plan that, that a group of people had, but because of the good news of Jesus. And, and, and that's why from day one for, for Town Church, we have sought to make the gospel central to everything that we do, everything we talk about, everything that we plan. And, and we don't believe, I don't believe that the gospel is the ABCs of following Jesus. I think I kind of grew up thinking that way, that, that the gospel is sort of the entry point and then you learn more and you become wiser and more knowledgeable about, about theological things and you come in the door like that guy and the first question you ask is, you know, what do you think about speaking in tongues? What do you think about the rapture? And those are the exciting things. But... But the gospel isn't the ABCs. I, I love, one of the people that I've learned the most about the gospel from is this pastor in New York City named Tim Keller. And, and he says the gospel isn't the ABCs, it's the A to Z of the Christian life. And so from beginning to end, the gospel is of first importance. Not just at the beginning it's not the most important. It's all the way through your Christian life. The gospel is always the most important thing because the gospel doesn't just deal with our past like okay you were a you were a sinner and and Jesus came and he died for you and you're forgiven and now you move forward but the gospel continues to be the most important thing for your your present and for your future the gospel is always of first importance and so you could you could think of if your christian faith is a wheel the gospel of Jesus is the hub, and everything must go to the gospel. Everything must flow from the gospel. Everything in our faith, everything in following Jesus is always, has to be tied to the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And if it's not, you're not really following Jesus. 
You're doing something else. So the gospel allows us to do what we did during our time of, uh, before I started preaching here, right? We confessed our sin and we have assurance of pardon. And that's like an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-time deal. We, we sinned, we're forgiven, and now we just move on. But we continue to do that. Another thing I love that Tim Keller says about the gospel is that it allows us to say, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe, but in Christ I am more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. So we we have both of those things together, right? I'm actually worse than I thought I was, but I'm actually, in Christ, I'm more loved and accepted by God than I ever could even have dreamed. That's the beauty of the gospel. And so... So as a church, our goal has been, let's, let's try to do everything that just keeps saying that and bringing that up and teaching us together as disciples to, to get that, to actually believe that, that, that we were worse off than we ever thought, but we're actually more loved and accepted than we ever dreamed or dared hope. So, so how do we do this then? How do we make the gospel central and and, you know, just in some practical ways, like when we get together on Sunday, we try to do everything that's going to point to that, right? So the invitation is saying, right, you are welcome. You are invited in to every kind of person, messed up, broken, wandering, lost, self-righteous, whoever you are, you're welcome here in the name of Jesus. You're invited in by Jesus. And everything we do through the time that we're together is meant to highlight this is who Jesus is. This is what he has has done for us. All the way to the benediction. The benediction is the last thing we do, and it's to say, here's what you have received. Now, take this and go with it as we leave from here. So, so everything we do when we're together is meant to help us understand and believe and enjoy and rejoice in the good news of Jesus. And I've probably said this before, but when, when we're picking out songs, uh, a lot of times I'll just say this to whoever's leading music, just pretend that I got up and preached the worst sermon you've ever heard, and I didn't even talk about Jesus. Pick songs that will explain and declare the gospel, even if I didn't. And of course, I'm, I really hope I never do that when I'm preaching, but that's the idea is if, if nothing, every part of what we do when we're together should declare the good news of Jesus. So, so we hope for that when we're together on Sundays. Uh, many of you are part of our gospel community. That's, that's really not just about getting together once a week. It's to say, here's an opportunity. Here's a community of people where we can be discipled together. Here's how we can learn to understand. Here's how we can learn to apply the gospel to, to the real stuff of life. So you know, I can get up or whoever's preaching and leading on a Sunday morning, but it's, it's a sh- pretty short amount of time and it's packed in tight and it might not be that great. Uh, and so we need time to process that and to do that together in community and say, how do we apply that gospel truth 
to, to what's going on in my life, what's going on in, in my workplace, and what's going on with school and friendships and relationships. How do I apply the gospel to those things? And our gospel community is meant to do that, right? That's, that's really the purpose of the gospel community together. It's not just to eat together. It's not just to to spend time together, but it is to say, here's a place, and here are the people who, can, who we can grow together. We can be discipled in the gospel together, and then we can also be a display of the gospel as a, as a community. So, so that's what a gospel community is. That's the goal of a gospel community. And then we have other groups of people that meet just just throughout the week, different times. Sometimes it's organized, sometimes it's not. Uh, Dallas uh, and some of the ladies from the church, they've been doing a discipleship group over the last year, kind of on and off. Sometimes they're going through a book. And it's, it's just a time for let's, let's learn about Jesus together. Let's you know, talk about the struggles in our lives. How can we apply the gospel kind of even in a smaller group than we would have together as a gospel community? And, and just asking questions like, what about the gospel are you not believing right now in your life? And then how can we help you connect the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done into what's going on in your life right now. And, and th- these don't have to be organized things. Like I don't have to announce it from, from the front on a Sunday for this to be something that we're doing. If you see somebody at Costco from our church community, you can ask them. I mean, that's, that's a little bit public, but like get, to, get together with people and, and get to know them and find out what's really going on in their life. Go, go have lunch with somebody and, and you're totally free. You're disciples of Jesus. You get to talk about stuff like that and, and you should talk about stuff like that. So, so if Jesus, if he called us to make disciples, and, and that includes ourselves. You know when Jesus says make disciples, he's talking about doing this with yourself, right? You're continually growing as a disciple of Jesus. What kind of disciples should we be, and what kinds of disciples should we be making? And, and so we could say, here's a definition of a disciple. Here's, here's how we could define a disciple. It's somebody who is learning to apply the gospel to every part of their life. A, go- a disciple of Jesus is somebody who's learning to apply the good news of Jesus to every single part of their life. And, and again, that's the prayer, that's the goal of everything that we do as a church. So we could say we exist as a church to make disciples of the gospel of Jesus. And second, we could say we exist to make disciples in the community of Jesus. So so again, the gospel is something that that's been done. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done despite our sin and rebellion. We've been accepted and loved by God and and we say, I have been saved. I've been rescued. I've been delivered. But when we are saved, we are not we're not brought into this like me and Jesus relationship only. Like it's just happening, me and Jesus. Uh, there are no only children in Christianity that you are saved into a community. You're saved into 
a family, and, and when you follow Jesus, you never follow him alone. You never follow him alone. You're, you're part of a whole. You're part of a body. That's a picture that the Bible uses a lot. And, and just this is not an optional thing. This is not like when you rent a car and you're like, should I get the insurance or not? I'm not really sure. You know, should I upgrade? This is, this is not one of those optional things where you get to say, I will take it or I, I will leave it. This is God's gift to you. His family, his community is God's gift to you and you're just in it. <laughs> you're, you're part of it. So in the, in the book of Acts, when we, when we see the gospel start to, to spread out from Jerusalem. We start to see Jesus' disciples obeying what he told them to do, right? Okay, our job is to go make disciples. So they start preaching about Jesus. They're, they're t- telling their neighbors about Jesus. When the gospel begins to take root in their, uh, in their city, a community gets formed immediately and it begins to grow. And, and this is in Acts chapter 2, these, these new disciples of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now you may remember we looked at this passage in depth over the course of three weeks about a year ago, but I just, I just want to refresh your memory. Maybe you weren't here uh, we said a healthy, growing community, if, if it's rooted in the gospel of Jesus, these disciples of Jesus will be devoted to four things. The, the biblical teaching, here's, here's what's true about Jesus, so it's not, not false stuff, okay? So it's, here's, here's what's true. This is what the apostles said. They knew Jesus. They heard his teaching. So we learn about Jesus together. We devote ourselves to what's true. Uh, we devote ourselves to fellowship, which is participating in the gospel together, right? It's, it's having unity. It's having a common mission. It's saying, this is what we are rallying around. This is our purpose. This is what we're here for. That's fellowship, breaking bread. We could say that's remembering Jesus together. That's specifically talking about communion. So doing things that help us remember what Jesus has done for us. And then in prayer, which is to say, together we will ask Jesus to help us fulfill the mission of making disciples. So we're asking God, help us to do what you called us to do because we can't do it by ourselves. And when you, whenever you talk about biblical community, when you, when you talk about this thing that we've been called into and that we want to make disciples who are participating in it, uh, you have to recognize that it, it has a cost. Biblical, biblical community uh, has a cost because it requires commitment. You know, and, and we like to make fun of people who are afraid of commitment, but I will just tell you, 
the, <laughs> the thing that I've learned the most probably um, about following Jesus over the past eight and a half years is that commitment is very difficult when it comes to biblical community. It's, it's very difficult. It's very challenging because, because we love the idea of community in Jesus, but the reality of it is very hard. It's very costly. It requires us to, to give time and to invest ourselves and, and making sacrifices and, and making it a priority, making community a priority. But, but what are we talking about here? We're talking about following Jesus who said, if you want to follow me, you have to die to yourself. You have to, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. That's, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's to follow him. And, and, and that's what we're here to do is to make people who are actually doing what Jesus called us to do. Not, we're not calling people into like, hey, come join me in this thing that's really fun and it's you know, it doesn't require you to make any kind of sacrifice. You just kind of keep doing what you're doing, but now you're not going to hell. So does that sound awesome? But that's not following Jesus. Being part of Jesus' family, his community, it requires, it costs us. It requires a sacrifice. And so if, if we exist, if you exist to make disciples of Jesus, ask what kind of disciples am I making? Like if people look at my life and they copy my life, which they should be able to do, what kind of a follower of Jesus would they be? If, if you are not devoted to the community of Jesus, his, his community, then I would say you have a, a giant hole in your discipleship. Now, <laughs> I am tempted to take the edge off of that because that's a very harsh thing. It's a, it's a very pointed thing to say. And, and I recognize, right, we all have a lot of things going on in our lives. There's, there's our families, there's our work, there's our, our goals and our ambition, our school. We have hobbies, there's, there's our health, right? We have all kinds of things going on. So, so we can stack all those things up and we're like, following Jesus is hard because we have all these things that just seem to demand so much of us. Yes, but, but you need to be honest and say, every other follower of Jesus has had a big pile of things that are hard too. Um, we are not unique in our challenges and the things that we face. And the call of Jesus has always been the same. Follow me. Leave everything else behind and follow me. Pick up the cross and follow me. So hear that call from Jesus. It's not from me. It's not from, from town church. It's not from, from another church or discipleship program. It's the call of Jesus. And, and we, the, the community part is, hey, let's, let's figure out how to do this together and let's help each other learn how to walk together as disciples. Let's encourage each other when we are discouraged. Let's 
challenge each other when we see that somebody is sort of withdrawing or or withholding, right? We can we can challenge one another in love when somebody is is tied up and twisted, we can say, here, let me come alongside of you and help you get untangled from what you're twisted up in. Because that's that's what we're that's why we're here. That's why we exist to make disciples. And that's that's a gift for each other in community to to say let's let's learn how to put the the gospel to work in our lives in this messed up stuff like i think i still think that we're like i can do discipleship when things are going well but when i start to go off the rails a little bit i'm just going to sort of fade back when things get difficult because i don't want it just feels too messed up. I don't want people to know what's going on or it's embarrassing or whatever. But like that's that's it. That's that's the community of Jesus. You're you're you want to be a disciple when things are messed up and when things go off the rail. Don't don't pull back. You know, and and even even thinking of that in like a like a bigger sense, like we, our church is part of a community or family of churches. We talked about Acts 29, another network that we're part of is, is next-gen churches, and, and I know you guys maybe don't experience the, um, the, the benefit, of, you do experience the benefit of it, but you, you probably don't know it, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very meaningful for our church that, we're, that we are not alone that we're part of these families of churches because I spend you know a significant amount of my time talking and praying with with other pastors and leaders um, that I'm getting coaching from other people that I'm being encouraged when I'm discouraged that we can go to a conference that we can learn together you know we can go to a men's retreat or we can go to a women's retreat or whatever because we're part of a bigger family of churches and that has meaning and it has it has value and then you can think of that again like with our gospel communities like that's the blessing of the community when we get together we're spending time together and that in that time that quantity of time this quality of discipleship is being built in there and and this is just I think where we're at we've had multiple gospel communities over the years and right now we have one, which is kind of everybody in the church who wants to participate in a gospel community can come to our house or, or James and Allison's house, and we get together once a week. And there's other stuff that goes on, but, but it doesn't have to just stay that way. I think we're, we're at the point where we are ripe to see more gospel communities being sent out and we could have a gospel community in a different town so that people who live there, it makes it a little easier for them to participate. And again, this is not just about Tuesday night having dinner together. It's about saying, how could we orient our lives in a way where the gospel, we can disciple each other in the gospel, right? So we're, we're getting together. We're spending time together. We're making we're making sacrifices in order to make disciples of Jesus. And so I, I would love to see more gospel communities multiply 
out, and it is fun to all be together. We've had this discussion when we're together as a gospel community, like there's 25 people over at someone's house, it's too crowded, uh, it's so loud, you, you can't have like meaningful discussions maybe with 25 people, it can be really difficult. Um, so, so, but there's, there's, it's fun, right? Like we're all together, it's really good. But we also need to recognize, well, how are we going to make more disciples if there's no room at the table? So this week, we're going to talk about this with our gospel community on Tuesday night. So if you want to come, you should come. It's going to be really fun. And there's dinner. So, I mean, you can't beat it. And, and a lot of you guys are participating in our gospel community already. So remember that I'm saying this because we're talking about it again. <laughs> All right. So we exist to make disciples of the gospel of Jesus in the community of Jesus. Lastly, on the mission of Jesus. So if you are a disciple of Jesus, you, you have been gathered in. And that's actually part of the gospel is you've been, you've been gathered into this family, you've been brought into this community, but you have also been sent out on Jesus' mission. And that's, the, that's like the ongoing cycle within the life of a disciple of Jesus and within the life of the church of Jesus is it's gathering in and it's sending out and it's gathering in and it's sending out just over and over again. That's, that's why we planted Town Church. Let's, let's gather people in, make disciples of Jesus and send them out to, to different places. Maybe they will go to Alder Point. Maybe they'll go to Rio Del. Maybe they'll go to Oric. Or maybe they already live there and that we could help disciple them. And, and we've seen this happen with lots of people over the years in our church, right? We have people like Russ and Morgan. They're traveling nurses. They're here for three or four months. So, so they're already believers in Jesus, but being part of our church family, they're, they're continuing to grow in their discipleship of Jesus, and then they go to a new town. And who knows what happens because of what they learned while they were gathered with us and they were sent out. And of course, I would say, you know, you guys should just stay here. I don't like sending you out. I don't like it when people leave. But it's the reality of being part of the family of Jesus, the community of Jesus. We gather people in and we send them out. And when, when we don't want to, God says, well, I'm sending them anyway. <laughs> they're going to get sent out and they're going to take Jesus to the next place that they are going to go. So every time we come together, right? We came from all kinds of different places. We gathered in today. And when you leave, you're not just leaving. You are sent. You are sent because when you were here, you got to hear the good news of Jesus. You got to receive it. And when you walk out of the door, you are sent with the good news of Jesus. You take it with you on a mission. So you're not like, well, I guess I'll think about Jesus again next Sunday when I get here. But no, you, you, you're taking Jesus with you, and you had him when you came in here too. It's like you're just, you're going out the door on a mission, on Jesus' mission. When we, when we leave, when we go out from here, we take love with us. We carry hope with us. We have good news. You have, you have the news that people in your life need to hear. Broken people, frustrated people, discouraged people, depressed people, addicted people, right? 
So many different people in our lives, they need the good news of Jesus, and you have it, and you're sent to those people. And you'll gather in again next Sunday, and you'll be sent out with the good news of Jesus again. And, the, and, and maybe some of those people, God will call them into his family, and then they'll be sent out to the people in their lives. And that's just over and over again, over and over Again, the family of Jesus grows and it multiplies. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And it's always been this way. This is not a new thing. It's not a new strategy. This is the way it's always been. And Jesus talked about this in John chapter 20. When he, when he was resurrected, he, he appears back to his disciples again. And it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus is showing us something really important here. He's showing us something about God, right? God the Father sent Jesus. Jesus saying, I got sent here to you. I got sent to this place and this moment in history to these specific people. I got sent here. And that tells us something huge about God, that he is a sending God. He sends us out. And we could, you could say it another way, God is a missionary God, right? We think of missionaries, these people who go out to, to a tribe or a jungle or a desert or whatever, they take the gospel to those people, they learn the language, they figure out all the customs, they learn how to dress, right? Jesus did all of that right? He came into the world and he took on flesh because God is ascending God. God is a missionary God. He's sent on a mission by the Father and he says, just like I got sent, you are sent as well. You are sent people and that's the book of Acts, right? That's the disciples being sent out. The Holy Spirit comes, sends the church out empowered, ready to do God's mission, this is, this is God's mission. It's not, it's not our thing. It's not like we just want to do something exciting. We want to do something with passion. It gets us going because it gives us something to do. Like, this is God's mission. It's his. It belongs to him. He, Jesus said, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth. And so I'm telling you, this is what you have to do. This is what your job is. This is what your role is. That's, that's us now. We got sent by Jesus. Go out and do this. Christopher Wright, he says, mission is not ours. Mission is God's. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. That's why we exist. The church was made for God's mission, to take the good news of Jesus. We are sent just like Jesus was sent. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you are sent to other people with the good news of Jesus. You have been blessed by God 
and you are sent out to be a blessing to other people. You have received grace. You are sent out with grace. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't mean you learn more about Jesus. It means you are sent with the good news of Jesus. So let's bring this all together here. Let's, let's tie it all together. We exist. We exist together as a church family to make disciples of the gospel of Jesus in the community of Jesus on the mission of Jesus. That's why we are here. That's why we planted our church, and that's why we will continue. And so the the picture of that, right, we said was we want to make disciples who enjoy Jesus. They delight in him, and they learn how to speak about him and and display him with their their whole lives To, to everyone, right? to Eureka, Humboldt County, and beyond, right? It's a far-reaching vision. Like, we've had people from Town Church go to Papua New Guinea. That actually happened to, to go be missionaries there. That, was, that is exciting because it's bigger than us. It's not our mission. It's not even our vision. We can put together a sentence. We can put together a string of words, but it's God's purpose. It's his mission. It's his vision. Eight and a half years we've been going. We've been at this. But the mission is bigger than town church. The mission is bigger than, you know, we, there was, God's mission was happening before we got here and it will continue after we are, we are gone. But while we are here, while we are in this town and on God's mission, like that's what we're going to do. And we'll talk about speaking in tongues sometimes, and we'll talk about the end times maybe, but this will always be the heart of what we are doing as a church is, is the good news of Jesus, that, that we want to make disciples who value Jesus, who love Jesus, and who are on his mission, and they're, they're doing it together as part of a community. And, and we are an imperfect church, and we're full of imperfect disciples, but, but Jesus is enough, right? We have Jesus. And so it's not about who we are, what programs we do, or any of that stuff. It's that we have Jesus, and he's called us to help other people know what he's like, and that's why we're here. Let's pray. Father, this is at the same time so simple and so complex uh, to, to, to look at the beauty of the gospel. And it, it is so simple, right? You made us, we strayed from you, you redeemed us and loved us, and you, have, you will one day restore all things. That's, that's the good news. But, but all the pieces and how they come together and what it looks like for us to, to be part of that mission and part of that story. It feels so complicated. It feels so hard. And I pray that today you will have captured more of us to join in your mission, to give more of ourselves, to surrender and submit to the calling that you've given to us, and to learn how to do it together, 
right, to, to commit ourselves to, to you and to each other and to your mission. And I pray that you would bless, you would bless our church, that you would help us to grow, that you would help us to, to deepen in our faith, and, and that we could see people meet Jesus as part of our church family. You, you've done it already, and we pray for you to continue doing that, that more and more people would know Jesus, not, not for the sake of, of our church, not for the sake of, of our name being anything, but for Jesus to be exalted, for him to be lifted up, for him to be enjoyed and worshiped, because you deserve it, Jesus. And so in your grace and in your mercy and in your power, would you do a mighty work here in Eureka and and in Humboldt County and beyond? Help us to obey, help us to submit, help us to surrender, and help us uh, to grow. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your great love and your name. Amen.